Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to the NXT 2.0. Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Manal SmackDown. What are they going to do when somebody says SmackDown in a funny voice once? This whole thing, a premium love events. Jesus Christ. The uh, pay-per-view <laughs> premium live events, as mentioned. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on Wrestle Coach. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review NXT 2.0. And for some reason, Michael Hamlet, I can't quite put my finger on it. I thought this show was phenomenal. What did you make of it all? <laughs> Gee, is this... Is this Tony D'Angelo's day job or his night job? Because this was trash. <laughs> this episode was total trash. We talked uh, just yesterday, I think it was, on the Raw review. Um, go back in your feeds if you haven't listened yet to how what Raw is understanding and mastering at the moment is that WWE cannot any longer patronise you with a wrestling product. It is a WWE product and, and all the things that represents. And in a way, that's kind of borrowed from NXT 2.0 and all the things we loved about it. There were too many attempts tonight to be a wrestling show that were just right for ripping the piss out of. Like, way too many. Wasn't all trash. A, a, across the show. Wasn't, come on. All right, all right. Don't make me pop my tits at you. <laughs> across the show, there were numerous things that were trying desperately to be pro wrestling and ended up kind of laughable and patronizing as a result. When you watch the wrestling, you were reminded that the gimmicks are bad, the stories are lame, the atmosphere is odd, the development is weak, and all of these things. Of course, it had its NXT 2.0 moments. There are bits I cannot wait to get to. Of course it did. It's still this brand. Just be a lot more of this brand than this. NXT Tits 2.0. <laughs> their, their entire premise for selling this brand is tits. Now that we have your attention, watch some Greenhorns wrestle. Only for two minutes because you'll see some tits if you persevere through this. That's what it is. Just tits yeah. in my face all the time. Cool it's like Cool bubes. Like, it's, it's just tits. It's just tits. It's just Tits and like, <laughs> what was the theme? We, it was the wrestler, it was the theme. Was it for Toxic Attraction or something the other week? It was one of the ones where, like, you were off Cedric. It was another one of these, and it was just like, what's the tits, 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 ass, ass, <laughs> get them out, get them titties, ass, ass. Like, hey, Carmelo, hey. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like, it's remarkable how transparent everything is. Like, you can almost crack a rye smile in its direction. It's just tits. Well, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. I mean, if we're going to be the like professional guys, why start now? 
<laughs> take ourselves out of Adam Wilborn's locker room. <laughs> it's like not on. If anyone gave a toss about this, yeah. like if any mainstream outlet mm. or oh, Christ I gave a toss about this, be like, this is like incredibly backwards, thoroughly uncool. It's not on. I, it, it's bizarre to me that NXT 2.0 coexists with what we know of life these days. They, they, I've just realized NXT 2.0 was actually seen before it existed on Monday Night Raw. It was those dancing girls on Raw Underground. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. All oh, this is a bit dodgy and Shane McMahon's looking weird, but look, women dancing <laughs> and stuff. We cancel it on Monday because we're getting blowback, but no one gets to toss about this. This is it. Like, WWE, we've, there's been a million stories over the years where we said they get away with so much because they're just not scrutinized in the way that another huge, like multi-billion dollar media, NBC as a comparison point, right? An entertainment company worth billions of dollars that has the business practices of WWE, it'd be headline news in, across the industry. Nobody gives a toss because it's still just this stupid dog and pony family-owned wrestling show to them. The NXT 2.0 is like the fan version of that. Nobody online or nobody within our sphere like other than us who are fortunate enough to get to talk about it and those that listen will remotely scrutinize this thing. It's so quickly fallen out of any conversation. I remember when it wasn't a joke, but when we would kind of flippantly say how nobody's talking about Triple H's NXT, absolutely nobody. They were there, they were, but they were just in like increasingly small corners, you know, really enjoying the three and a half star wrestling because they watched nothing else. And yeah. That's fine. I, I don't even think they're there for this. Those people were alienated by this. Those are the people that are saying, Oh, I can't believe what's happened to NXT. And then you kind of scratch your head and go, oh, so you enjoyed like the last couple of years, did you? And they did. And like fair play to them. They're gone too. Nobody is analyzing this with any kind of critical eye as if like to pull them up for all this. Mm. So they're just going to keep doing it. They're going to keep getting worse. Them, ke- them Kevins going to be enjoying themselves. Mm. Well, let's, uh, let's dive straight into the show. Uh, we started with... Uh, Are M- Kevins enjoying themselves? <laughs> <laughs> He's found them. That's it. He's certainly found them on Tuesday night. <laughs> Uh, it started with MSK versus Jacket Time, uh, Dusty Cup quarterfinals. Uh, beforehand, uh, MSK cut a promo standing in the aisleway next to the Dusty Cup, uh, saying that now, thanks to their shaman, they know what it takes to get back to the top of the mountain and win this cup again. Uh, and they go to touch it and then remind themselves, oh, that's unlucky, don't touch the cup. Uh, and then they make their entrance and we get, yeah, as I said, Jacket Time versus MSK. Surprise, surprise, these four men work really well together. Um Jacket time comes in uh, to start off the match. Uh, I think it was Ikamanjiro. Um, they take Lee into the corner, um, and then Kushida comes in. They b- both beat down um, Wesley. They get a double bulldog. That gets Kushida a two-count early on. Uh, Ikamanjiro, though, gets knocked down into the corner, and Nash Carter hit a Bronco Buster. Uh, Ikimajiro goes for a dive and it got caught brilliantly by Nash Carter uh, Wesley hitting an Insiguri and uh, they go to a break when we come back um, MSK in control Carter hit a standing shooting star press for a two count um, Wesley though comes in gets caught in the belly to back kneeling pile driver uh, and there's a two count off the back of that Lee gets up though brings in Nash Carter he cleans house uh, they hit that brilliant push moonsault thing that they do uh, but that gets countered by Kushida into the hoverboard lock. Nash Carter drives him into the corner, though, and they manage to hit their blockbuster heart attack finisher thing to advance to win. MSK go through. Ikamanjiro uh, and Kushida go out. But nevertheless, they shake hands. It's all amicable afterwards. Um, what did you make of the opener, Hamlet? I thought this was very decent. 
um, a good bit of business. Not a lot more, but a good bit of business. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like, I want to isolate some praise because he's probably like the fourth of four to get it in a match like this to Ikeminjiro because he's shone in the bit of the match that WWE have made turgid which is that like middle portion where you've had the heat. It's a WWE tag formula for decades, but WWE especially in 2022 formula where you get like something resembling a hot start. You can see exactly when they're starting to work towards the finish. And somebody has ultimately kind of got to be the glue in between. I don't want to like ruffle Jiro's hair in the way that they have pretty much since they signed him. (laughs) But I haven't really seen that in him yet on NXT. And I don't know, I can't speak to the stuff on 205 Live that, liars on Twitter say they've seen they're not watching it they're just posting gifts like everybody else but yeah it was there for me I thought Jiro was great here I don't know if this is like a sign that maybe Jacket Time can stick at this as a tag team or if it's too patronising and bigoted to stick around longer term I just thought he was really tremendous selling in a way that I hadn't seen somebody's got to be there for the MSK stuff and when Kushida was coming in it was very much well I can top that so I'm going to do this Jiro probably can't Mm. But he offered something more. I think I saw a bit of like main roster bump and feed from Ikeminjiro as well. I just, I honestly thought like for all the spectacular stuff I was expecting, it was him doing the fundamentals that I was quite surprised by. And I think that really contributed to the feeling I had. I had a good feeling off the back of this. I'll never watch the match again. No. I'm not going to do backflips over it, but solid work. Your thoughts on the fundamentals of this match? Great fundamentals. Yeah, we've well, not had that for a while. <laughs> no, I echo Hamlet's point completely. It's one I hadn't previously considered. The thing that I was struck by in this match was how much pro wrestling is itself a vehicle for storytelling. You tack on all these stupid vignettes, all these stupid shaman stories, all of these ridiculous non-pro wrestling storytelling clumsily onto what this actually is. And then when you ignore it all, and you realize, oh, professional wrestling in itself is a storytelling medium. They, through various spots, which incidentally were exhilarating, told the story that MSK have got really good chemistry and they get on and they're just daft two pals together. Like when they sort of did the move where, I can't remember the exact way it was constructed, but they each smacked Ikemanjiro in the mm-hmm. head and then they sort of like hugged together on the apron. Mm. That told you the story that they are completely in tune. They've got a really nice almost symbiotic relationship, just two dunderheads out there having fun. It's almost like they didn't need this entire shaman story and they could have just stuck around and remained tag team champions the entire time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, this is really fun. This is really nicely constructed. Um, any NXT 2.0 match, and I mean any NXT 2.0 match, that allows me to forget the show I'm watching <laughs> yes. is good, and this was good. Like, then crack four plus stars for me. But, like, can anything on this show? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we go backstage. Uh, former partners, uh, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai there. Zoe Stark still, of course, recovering from her injury. Uh, and saying to Io Shirai, look, I know, you know, we tagged together, but Dusty Cup's coming up for the for the women. Maybe you should go and find yourself a new partner. And Io Shirai admitted she doesn't want to find a new partner. And Zoe Stark's a bit like, wait a second. Are you actually finally bloody warming to me after all this time? They get into a bit of back and forth, and then in comes Tiffany Stratton, who says, <clears throat> I am Jer. What are you wearing? Did you find that on Class Rock? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She says, uh, anyway, are you guys talking about the Dusty Cup? Well, hey, don't worry. Because uh, you'll have plenty of time to find a new partner after I beat you tonight. Toodles. <laughs> and she walks off. 
Good grief, man. So excited when I saw Tiffany Walkins of Rome. Thought that's going to be a good show. This might factor into why I thought this was a great show, actually. I liked MSK winning and stuff. But you, we talk about grading these wrestling shows on a curve, right? I don't know what your curve is because you just keep absolutely smashing it. I think, well, Wilborn can't do that funny voice and get it over. He can't do that silly voice and make it work. I never would have had Valley Girl on my bingo <laughs> card. And yet here we are. I think it's the new champion. I, like, <laughs> I, I fear, not just because his work stinks, but I fear for the future of the Tony Angelo predictor <laughs> because I think you're going to come up with something else that like relates to, I don't know, bring it on or something like that. Just see your sweet <laughs> Valley High. Just so you can... The Stratton... The Straton Baton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass you the Straton Baton. The Straton Baton to do like something she'll say in her voice. Yeah. I said to, I said to Anne Louise last night, I said, I think we should get paid more for the podcast. Like, all right. Uh, this is completely out of the blue. She's just sat there. I think we should get more, paid more for the podcast. A, because these two and the other guys. Sorry, I thought gone. you were saying the O from 2.0 there. <laughs> these two are genuinely the best in their field, in my opinion. And the charts do reflect that, right? And because I have to play about 10 different characters <laughs> on this podcast. So, you know, we all bring something to the table. Just yours is more like, you know, based in good wrestling knowledge and analysis. Mine's just voices. Every, every skill has a value. <laughs> Does it, every skill has a value? It's honestly, I, I just when you're talking about like grading on a curve, I saw it as more like a you know those like flow charts where it's like uh, a yes no question and they <laughs> divide it and it's like was there a funny voice on this show? Yes, and it's already in the like this was a good show half yeah. of the the thing and it just gets better and better. There's a box that just says nailed it again. <laughs> right, uh, and nothing to say about that though. Nice to see, genuinely nice to see a potential development in Io Shirai finally actually liking the person she's potentially tagging with. Yeah, this goes back to what we were talking about yesterday where there's like little bits, little tiny bits of stories, um, whether or not they were hangovers from the old NXT or whatever. It's bizarre that the same people are on the show and yet they do seem to know how to thread one thing to another on this. They're either going to tag and it's actually going to be nice or they're going to split, which is kind of the thing that we were forecasting in the old Triple H thing. I'm astonished they've held on to it. I don't mind it, but I'm just astonished they've held on to it. Or oh, they've gone. I've just realised as we're talking about They've gone, well, we need to do the Persia Parada and uh, thingy storyline split soon. So just act like they're <laughs> yeah. now for a bit. Keep that on the back burner. I think the difference between NXT 2.0 and <laughs> Ra is that <laughs> Vince McMahon actively writes and books Raw, the writers, basically, the writers for Raw book a show that Vince McMahon, for his tastes, that he actually watches. And the writers of NXT 2.0 book a show for his tastes that he doesn't actually actively watch mm. or censor mm. or edit or anything like that. Just when it comes call-up time, he wants to be far more impressed than he used to be when he get Triple H's yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, we got a uh, promo from... Uh, he's way more muted these days yeah, than he's, you are. He's, got, he's to the moon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just in case you wanted an audio representation of that take. Uh, he's That's said, what it's like working with Wilbur. He can't shout at his desk, but he'll do with the catchphrase. It's just a little <laughs> bit quieter. Uh, he basically says he's got a match, obviously, with Tony D'Angelo tonight. Uh, he's gonna, he's the tougher guy, and he's going to be heading to Vengeance Day that they also announced for February. Yeah, yeah, around Valentine's Day, isn't it? Uh, against Carmelo Hayes for the North American title. Uh, we also saw an SUV pulling up outside, outsteps uh, the brilliant Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. Uh, and Ollie J, who's going to be performing a little bit later on. Um, 
In amongst all this as well, by the way, we had Legado del Fantasma making their way to the ring. Nice sort of little moment between them and MSK as that happened. Uh, and then they came out to cut a promo. Uh, Santos Escobar on the mic. He says, each and every week, ever since Brombreaker showed his hideous face in NXT, every superstar just comes out and says the same thing about the world champion. They just go for the low-hanging fruit. They mock him for his father, his uncle, his family's poor math skills. Yep, wearing the uh, Einstein <laughs> T-shirt today. Um, he says, when the jokes are done, um, we all say, oh, how special Bron is and he's going to be a star someday. Or they even have the nerve, he says, to say he's already a star now. But Santos isn't going to do that. He prides himself on being real, a trait passed down from his father. He says, look, me and Bron Breaker, we come from similar background, and that is why, Bron, you don't scare or impress me. I don't like you. In fact, I despise you, and I despise the fact you've been given all these opportunities, and you're now the NXT champion. Um, Bron Breaker comes out and interrupts, confronts him. He says that he, he thinks uh, Santos Escobar is a great superstar, but he's insecure. He needs Legado del Fantasma. Yes, they do have a similar upbringing, uh, but Breaker's family told him to handle things head on while Santos's family, and Santos cuts him off. And uh, Bron shuts him down from cutting him off, basically, and says, look, enough of all this bollocks. You issue the challenge, you run in your mouth. You issue the, issue the challenge, I will accept. And Santos says, ah, ah. Things are done on my time, and when I'm ready, trust me, you'll know. He waves, he leaves, uh, so does Electra Lopez. Um, but then uh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza double back and try and take out Bron Breaker, but he uh, eventually knocks them out of the ring and stands tall at the end of all this, Sige. Not bad at all, this. Not bad at all. Bron Breaker's just got an energy about him that we all kind of have embraced at this point, but it's just such easy, basic baby Facebook, and the guy's got a set of balls, the guy won't back down, the guy doesn't say anything stupid, he doesn't say enough words that eventually, monkey typewriter, if you put enough WWE writers in one room and you fill that page long enough, they are going to say something stupid. There's an economy with which they write for the Bron Break character that they should apply everywhere across the goddamn entire organisation, but they don't. Thankfully, in the case of the guy that we are meant to like, they do do that. Um, yeah, I mean, he beat the crap out of the two underlings. He saw the attack coming. He wasn't beaten down. Heat, the infamous word, which I'm really bored of frigging reading about on Twitter, if I'm being freaking honest with you. Yep. But it wasn't the, the time for a heat angle. The guy just set a stall out, said what he was going to do, shut um, Santos Escobar up, kicked two asses, and left. Keep it simple, but it made look, Bron Breaker look good, this. Yeah. It's and I love Sanos Escobar, so yeah, him in the title picture. Escobar's promo, I should say, was class. Mm. Genuinely think that he... I never really got it with Escobar, and I think it's a, he's a victim of circumstance. Because it was like, oh, the pandemic's happening. Here's this guy, and I'm thinking... Cool, I want to hibernate. <laughs> I don't want to see a new start. I want to hibernate until all of this is goddamn over. So I was not possibly in the best headspace to receive a new star, particularly on freaking NXT. I mean, come on. I was thinking about but that. But he was class. I thought his promo game was so good. I was thinking about that the other day. I've loved Santos Escobar for a long, old time. I've been campaigning for him on this podcast. But I was thinking about this. When, when it first hit, not to take us in a mindset all the way back there, goodness me, where we were debating going, I think wrestling should shut down for a bit until, you know, this all blows over. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm glad that didn't happen. Eesh, uh, I, I, to Cedric's point about um, like the economy uh, with Bron Breaker, it's weird, isn't it, how in WWE it almost feels like it's a wrestler every now and then will bring the best out of the process. It seems as though 
they are stuck so much in their ways about how they do this like production line television pro wrestling that it takes a wrestler to force them outside of their own comfort zone, whether that's because the boss likes that wrestler and they're thus permitted to underscript them or to just keep it simple, as you say, whatever it is. Braun Breaker's pretty much been that since NXT started. Like, the first champion match wasn't outright home about, but the guy's got like 20 matches on his cage match. That's understandable. In terms of that character and what that character's clear and evident motivation has been since he started, it's never really been anything but this. And he does what we always say babyfaces need to do, which is deliver on the promises he makes, which he always does. Um, even when cast a little bit as a heel in war games, the point was he saw through the, the stated aim for the night. Um, and I just hope they keep doing that. I'm getting, it's funny you mentioned about the heat being a bit overdone. Like, just because they're saying, oh yeah, the maths thing again, it doesn't mean that you're still not doing it too much as well. I'm bored of this. Like, shit, I'll get off the pot. Unless you're honestly going to give me a, Vengeance Day or at Stand and Deliver, Braun Breaker and the goddamn Steiner Brothers versus Legard El Fantasma in something resembling a rub for Braun rather than a title <laughs> match. Like I'm saying, I don't think I'm like, like kind of pulling that out of thin air. Mm. They mention them all the time. Like if there's ever going to be a bridge built to Scott Steiner, it's the fact that he's basically been, his promo has been name checked for the last eight weeks on WWE television. <laughs> like it's not as wild as it would have once seemed, even if he's called Breaker. But I, I'm really, really over the patter. So unless his, Rick Steiner was there with him when he won the title, wasn't yeah. he? You know, so he's been in the building. Unless you're genuinely setting this up for this really fun one-night exhibition, move on. Like it's, it, was, it was okay to get Breaker going, but we need to get more of this guy that is his own man, not the guy having to every week laugh off a maths promo from his uncle first. Yeah, I will say this, uh, just overarching with, with NXT 2.0. Like we mentioned at the beginning, it does feel like a better, you know, not it's certainly not the... the the perfect, but a better production line for bringing people to the main roster than it was. Because, like you say, they'd bring people and be like, "What is this? This does not. This is square pegs, round holes, and stuff." Right? It's like I could probably list off five people. I'm not saying that they will or that they would boy book book correctly, but I can already list off about five people who've risen to the top. On you know, some of them are already sort of there already, like <laughs> well, a Carmelo Hayes. Look who showed up on this episode that came back, having not done like what Vince wanted on the main event. Like, you can see the ones that are coming back. It's the ones they wanted rid of. And they're completely stuck. Yeah. They? But it's like like they are molding them cookie-cutter-esque into someone that they could bring up to the main roster. It's not necessarily what I'd like to see or the, the way that I'd like to see it, but it is, it is a funnel more so now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can't imagine, although maybe this is, I'm like tempting fear here, you can't imagine the day where we talk about someone like a Joe Gacy, the way we might have done about a Ricochet. Like, what are they doing to Joe Gacy on Raw? It just, you can't imagine <laughs> yeah. that conversation. Can't? It's like, oh, yeah, there's this arsehole from Tuesdays and now he's working Mondays. <laughs> uh, like, I can't foresee it going, it might go wrong sometimes, but I just can never see it going as wrong as it used to with the ones that you genuinely loved. Maybe Gacy's going to be in the Rumble. Come out and cut a promo about, guys, this isn't the way to resolve things. People just go, who's this twat? <laughs> just throw him out. Yeah. Uh, right, oh, then we got the no DQ falls count anywhere match. It was Boa and Tricoa uh, going head to head, and uh, we found Boa's weakness, uh, specifically being punched in the face and put through a table. Um, so prior to Don't this, get a fire extinguisher. Oh, sorry, yes. So prior <laughs> his, to this, his weakness is his job. <laughs> prior to this, we got the video package highlighting Boa's change and his uncontrollable powers and his previous attacks on Solo Sokoa. Fairly, easy, fairly easily controlled. Who again, Solo Sokoa, selling that face fireball thing. Mm -hmm. What more than Randy Orton did yep. on the main roster. Um, 
and uh, Boa, because obviously it's, it's, it's a mismatch. Solo Sokoa, who's a hard guy, but is human. Can he shoot fire out of his fist? Boa, you like you say, a thousand-year-old dragon monster who can shoot fire and stuff and got uncontrollable powers. So, of course, Boa attacks Solo Sokoa with a kendo stick. <laughs> uh, Boa's chucking all chairs and weapons and stuff in the ring. Uh, that allows, allows Sokoa to fight back. He hits a Samoan drop. Everything gets cleared out. There's just one chair left. And there's a tug of war, but Boa with his you know, special powers, wins the tug of war and just beats down Solo Sokoa with it. He sets up a table at ringside, Boa does. That allows Sokoa time to recover. They fight, they brawl into the back. Boa sends him into a ladder, uh, gets rammed into Sokoa's chest as well. Uh, They are fighting by this big roll-up door, dents getting put into it by them, getting chucked into it. Uh, Sokoa goes for a sort of hip attack, flies into it, massive dent in the roll-up door. Boa beats him up and chucks him through a, I don't know, fire exit or whatever, which then seems to lock, because Boa's special powers doesn't extend to opening doors, apparently. <laughs> so instead, he use, does the roll-up door, takes his sweet time, even on double speed, eventually getting that door up to only be sprayed in the face by Solo Sokoa uh, with a fire extinguisher, as Michael Sidgwick mentioned. They uh, fight back to the ring. They brawl around ringside. People get sent into the post, etc. cetera. Uh, and eventually, uh, Boa gets hit with a, with a uh, Simone drop. He gets put onto the table, and Sokoa leaps from the top rope to the outside, splashing Boa through the table and pins him one, two, three. Preposterous, obviously, that Boa and his special powers have <laughs> been defeated almost immediately. But I will say, really like the finish, and I think this made Solo Sokoa look like a, a bit of a star. Good empty calories finish, I will say that. The visual that they'll replay, the feeling that WWE's more more about moments than it is anything else. So they're going to make a moment out of Solo Sokoa, like flinging himself off that height through a table. That They've got a little bit of something like in the B-roll footage for his next feud. So, like, yeah, completely agree with you there. The rest of it, Jesus Christ. Like, far be it for this podcast for us to all pat ourselves on the back, but the legends have proved right yet again. Why is nobody defending um, Boa's powers like they were the Fiends when we all said he was cooked and finished and dead? Because this is the point we have always been trying to make, and it's only when you see it on a much smaller scale making even less sense that you can go back and reference all the points that you were trying to make that you were shouted down by clown mask avatars. Because that's what it was. Like People had a deep affection for a particular character. It's happening to a lesser extent with Malachi Black. I think they'll address that. You've got a weird overlap of people misunderstanding what The Undertaker was. You know, Then there's Kane fans. I'll never be able to understand them. No. But like... The worst. But Boa, <laughs> on this stupid show that nobody respects, nobody's going to give the time of day to you now. Because the guy with magic powers that shoots flames out of his fists lost a wrestling match and was affected by numerous wrestling moves because this doesn't work, it never works, it cannot work and the worst company to attempt it does it more than any other. Like WWE does this more than any other wrestling company, indies included, where you can get away with that on the indies sometimes. You accept things in a different context. WWE completely misunderstand the context and these magic powers, these monsters and never, we've had this in NXT just last year with Boa and obviously Ying and that whole mythology and it died then. And yet they've done it again with Boa, and it has died again. He's just, it's not that he's been pinned. Like, that's obviously not ideal. You cannot. It's not bad in the ring either. You cannot pin a monster first time out. Like, he's lost by DQ as well. And it's like, I don't care about his qualifications. I'm going to change him. That's the difference. I'm going to change. Like, he's just, he comes down at the ring with a kendo stick. Like, Alexa Bliss. Like, um, that's a bad example because she's a ghost. It's offering their old ghost. Any wrestler, a generic wrestler, uses a kendo stick. They all use. Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair uses kendo sticks. 
Don't stay. Like, that's his, that's his real magic power. It's the same thing that everybody else does. It feels like, you know, you listen to old podcasts and they talk about, oh, you know, back in the, the days, the territory days in particular, where like Cornette, as an example, would say, oh, every, you know, month or so, they build up a monster for the, the babyface champion in insert area to defeat. It feels like they do that, but then they suddenly realise, oh, bollocks, we don't, can't just send him to the next town over or whatever. We're just sort of stuck with him, so we'll just reinvent the, him again. The monster Cornet is referring to, or anybody, not to put words in it's his just mouth. A, it's just a big lad. Bron Breaker. Like, the monster was, like, he's a babyface now, was Bron Breaker. That was Champa's monster. And the monster wins because it's WWE. But that's it, yeah, it's a big lad that pins people because you're supposed to be at a wrestling show, <laughs> not a fucking circus. <laughs> This was a, I mean, Jesus, you feel bad. You have to remind yourself that, right, two people have just battered themselves silly to try and, like, get your viewership and your emotions up a height and whatever. They grafted. They've obviously really hurt themselves in the process of putting this together. I never not respect that, even if it sometimes goes without saying, because too many wrestling promotions put these matches on. I'll be very biased later because I'm looking forward to the pair of them on AEW. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they'll be considerably better, and that's why. Just... There's two bad things. I mean, there's one bad thing. A, a match that was totally unnecessarily painful that won't advance any guy's career meaningfully. There are two bad things. Not just the concept. <laughs> not just the concept of a guy with powers uh, refusing to use them, right? Or like an inability to use that which he can build his matches and not win them. Like, you win all the time. You've won. Bray Wyatt's a cheeky bastard. Ah, magic. I have to win all the time. <laughs> then they can go, all right, okay, yeah, we'll have to put you strong, and everyone thinks it's ridiculous. Get rid. It's two bad things. Not only did he not use the powers, right, but the idea, and, you know, I'm not the most super invested. I mean, I should be professional, but no one could freaking remember what happens on these shows. The idea, not too long ago, is that Boa, having had the powers transferred to him, mm -hmm. gets possessed, red light, the whole gimmick, gets possessed, in some match on NXT about a month and a half ago, because he's unable to control these powers, right? He gets disqualified for kicking too much ass. Mm -hmm. I'm correct. Yeah. Because the idea is he's so overwhelmed by how powerful these forces are that he cannot think straight. It's venom. Yeah, he cannot. I don't know what that is. Ben, when Venom first takes over in, in the film Tom Hardy version, he just wrecks dudes because he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm really sorry. I thought you were being literal there and talking about like, Malachi Black's toxic juice. <laughs> he's got venom flowing through his veins. So the idea is he's, he's simply so hard and so powerful that he can't control it. And this is to the detriment of his pro wrestling career, <laughs> which itself is so stupid. Shouldn't this be a feature, not a bug, in the context of a match in which there are no rules? Mm -hmm. So he gets disqualified. He's so good at kicking ass that he forgets the rules because he's powerless against these powers put him in an Ogi DQ match he's won he wins he wins this this is what this, this is a feature not a bug now and then he loses but his face paint looks nice it's, <laughs> it's an absolute abomination I hate all of it you're making me think of like the MMA fight camp vignette for Solo Sokoa so it's gonna be like right Okay, grab this hold, duck this, uh, dodge the fireball. Like he's doing all these training basics. Like, should we do some more box jumps? No, nah, I definitely think you need to figure out how to dodge that fireball. God, like, if he hits you with that, you're going down. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Let's move on. Uh, we got a promo next from Imperium. I thought, to a certain extent, this Slightly, to the tiniest extent, no, slightly no. salvage the Gunther thing. No, no, okay. no. This was um, remember when? Uh, remember when uh, Japanese nomark Kushida came to America to find his fortune? That's effectively what they've done with another non-American wrestler. Yes. It's like sort of Walter was some name that I was given as a kid to uh, you know grapple my way to this level, where now I can finally find my true person, <laughs> which is Gunther. <laughs> Yeah, he said he's a name used uh, from his gra- or given to him from his grandfather, uh, and he's but he's moving into <laughs> the future with his own name and identity. A new age future led by a man who will, whose name will spread fear and pain throughout the WWE. Gunther, it's stupid. It's stupid. If he was saddled with, it's a work. If he was going from Gunther to Walter, mm. like I'm going to show my true self. Because they call me Gunther and their company. <laughs> <laughs> this is the exact verbiage, give or take the few missing words or changed words that you would cut in AEW when abandoning his old name. Yeah. But his new name. I that d- Bruce Pritchard gave him and apparently has got loads of honor behind it. You know, as well, like the perception is everything in wrestling. And I'm not, I've never been this person that like will think that a wrestler is going to live or die by a name. There have been some cases, but I don't think Gunther will destroy Walter. I think WWE will destroy Walter. Mm-hmm. It's not about the name. It's the whole thing. He genuinely, and because Imperium have kind of ruled lately, didn't feel like the scary boss of the stable anymore, did he? You looked at those two that have been just been having rippers. Yeah. That you've kind of, like, I've my respect for them has grown. Like, I'm, I'm more of a fan of them than I have been. They've wrestled their way into my heart. Yeah. And I'm watching this guy that's, 
sold out of it and is trying to flog me some turd and I'm not prepared to buy it. And all of a sudden, Imperium feels... Like, the makeup feels different all of a sudden. I've never once, ever, before this debacle, ever noticed that Marcel Bartel is taller than Walter. Because it's all about aura. Yeah. And it's all about this and it's all about that. It's all about aura. And, all oh, right, he's taller than Walter now. You know why? Because he's shrunk in our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of his presence and his aura, and in terms of how seriously you can take him, I thought this was this was a good attempt, personally, to try. I'm not saying it's it's going to be effective. This thing is though, they make it work for themselves, don't they? Yeah, you could just not do the thing, yeah, exactly. and then you wouldn't have to do the thing. Like I said, it was a good, it was, in my opinion, a, a relatively effective salvage job. But the fact they had to do it in the first place speaks volumes, like you say. Um, put over Dragonoff, put over NXT UK. Just say my invincibility was taken away from me. Yeah, well that's a good point. I know, just do something, but you can't acknowledge weakness. You can acknowledge how stupid you are, but not how weak. Uh, speaking of changing gimmicks, uh, Duke Bloody Hudson was next. He's not a gambler anymore. He's just Duke Hudson. <laughs> Angry Duke. He just, just kicks, kicks the crap Duke out of people. Duke Nukem. He, uh, he had a match, with, well, a brief match with Guru Raj, um, battered him, chucked him, beat him all up at place, backbreaker, p- p- picks him up, hits him with a razor's edge, covers him, beats him. Ooh, and then we got Dante Chen coming out, and I thought, okay, good, here we go. Like, we know that this history these two have got from last week, and they did a great job of, like, building him up and then blah, blah, blah. Ooh, um, he cut a promo saying he's giving Duke the respect uh, he didn't give him by letting him know where he come, or something along those lines. It was a bit all over the place, this. Um, goes in, pull apart brawl, where Duke doesn't... Kind of got the better of it, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. And then when they get separated, Duke hits him, uh, the injured leg, uh, kicks the leg out of his leg with a, uh, a chop block. Oh, what do you make of all this, Sige? Not much. I'm watching, I'm not watching this new heel character with an edgier look, a harder, leaner look, who I can now take seriously because he's an ass kicker now. I'm watching a former poker player do a new storyline. That's yeah. what I'm doing. And it's just, I can't take him seriously. Like, he's not that good at wrecking people. Duke Hudson's got attributes. Duke Hudson has got a future in this company, I think. But, like, I'm not taking any of this seriously at all. I think I've spotted um, NXT's second crutch after tits. I think I've spotted the second one. Um, Heel who can't be stopped. So they believe... Barn Wagner. Barn Wagner, Grayson Waller, and now Duke Hudson. Like, we're giving them the gimmicky thing because everybody has to do something. Everybody's got to be some version of a clown. And then, well, how did the clown fare? Tony D'Angelo, faring quite well. Into the main event, he goes, as the clown. How did the clown fare? Not so well. Right, well, we'll just make them beat everybody up and be so controversial that they must be stopped. We need referees out there. We need the fans to just look on in horror. We need, like, all the baby faces to, like, gather around and work together to stop Grayson Waller or stop Duke Hudson and, like, you're behind none of the causes. Looks like it'd be pretty easy to stop. I'm already kind of over Grayson Waller. He was the guy credited with chasing Johnny Gargano out of NXT. What have you done to the heart of this brand? Like, well, he's got a bodyguard and he's doing mid-card matches. <laughs> I'm shrugging at this point. I feel like that's where I'm going to go with Duke Hudson as well. Backstage, uh, Persia Prota points out that she quite, quite likes Duke Hudson with the short hair. And Indy Hartwell says, hey, come on, time to focus up. People in glass houses shouldn't throw cocks, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, man, like this is not a bad split that is... Yet again, been reduced to six stuff. That was what it was on Indy's side with Dexter Lumis, and now she's doing this. Like, they could just tell a story of Persia Prata being like, I've been a, I was a bit sick of you not having your eyes on the prize. And then she's like, uh, You're obsessed with Dick too. Mm. Watch this episode. No, you're a silly airhead who loves cock. No, you're a silly <laughs> airhead who loves cock. Uh, and then to be fair, there are 
Two guys later, obsessed with puss as well. So nah, yeah, equality. <laughs> puss, it's good weather. Kaylee Ray comes in uh, and says, oh, yeah, what if I just uh, kill Mandy Rose with a baseball bat? No one says, maybe don't do that during the match because we'd lose. But she needs, this is veering close to magic powers. <laughs> she needs to wreck somebody with a baseball bat. I'm pretty quick because so far all she's done is go to one of them wreck a room days where you're like smash an old printer off. Oh, rage room, yeah. Rage room, yeah. Like she's just, she smashed a few photocopiers off. But like it's, it's time to... Like smash somebody's ribs in or something in it. Otherwise, she's just a weirdo. She's just the oddball. Oh, she's, she's just got a prop, man. Babyface Dakota Kai with a prop. Can I wholly endorse a rage room? By the way, I went there with Anne Louise just before. No, maybe. Yeah, it must have been before lockdown and stuff. I had a rage room in lockdown. That's where I worked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we get a, a little interview with uh, Santos Escobar, who says Bron Breaker's made a mistake, and uh, you know what? Next week. They're going to fight him two on one unless he can find himself a partner, although that's not, not very likely because he's got no friends, basically. Uh, and Electra Lopez says, hey, everyone says Bron is the first one here and the last one to leave. Not really, because at the end of the show, he's walking out before it basically finished. But still, <laughs> um, she says, oh, maybe we'll stay a little longer, a little hook for, for later on. Uh, and then we got that six-woman, uh, sorry, the trios match, Doc Toxic Attraction versus Kaylee Ray, Indy Hartwell, and Persia Perotta. Um... And the story of the match early on is Mandy Rose wants no part of Kaylee Ray, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, she gets out, brings in JC Jane instead, and they have uh, back and forth. Uh, at one point, um, Kaylee Ray realizes she's uh, she's alone in the ring. Toxic attraction of bail to the outside. She hears this massive dive to the floor to take them all down at once. Um, after we come back from the break, Parada gets the hot tag, runs around, uh, just hot tag, cleans house. Kaylee Ray uh, grabs the baseball bat and, yeah, tries to attack Mandy Rose with it, who, quite understandably, wants no part of it and effectively gets chased to the back by Kaylee Ray, taking both of them out of the match as Kaylee Ray swings wildly for the uh, world champion. Um, and the back in the ring, uh, Persia Brotter kicks Gigi Dolin in the gut, picks her up for a suplex. Gigi rolls her up for an inside cradle for a two count, uh, but Persia kicks out. Levels her, hits the TKO, and gets the pinfall victory. Uh, as we expected, Sige, the team of number one contenders have pinned the the champions. Yeah. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Um, this match was not so good. No. Not so good. So good uh, Kaylee Ray did the thing that you're going to remember from the match. They'll always age at one little moment that you're going to remember from the match. So that was canny enough, I guess. There was a moment where it was like a kind of a jumping neckbreaker deal. Uh, JC Jane did it to someone else, and I thought, that looked rubbish. <laughs> and then I noticed that they put it over via instant replay on commentary, and I'm thinking, all right, is that, the, oh, that was the best bit then. <laughs> uh, not good, really. I, I mean, what do you want? Like, this was Performance Centre rehearsal wrestling airing on national television. It's not the first. It won't be the last on this brand. It wasn't filled with... Immersion-breaking botches, and there has been those, and there'll be more to come, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, this this roster is woefully underprepared for the position it's in. I am an absolute advocate for... I keep thinking of that Adam Cole, Kyler Riley face-off with all the security cards. I'm an absolute advocate for... Man, Triple H just sitting on too many people too long to put out his indie wrestling favourites or try and cling on to some credibility or whatever it was he was thinking. But... There is a compromise between getting some people out there that need TV time and 
Russian people out there. And we still, we haven't found anywhere near the middle ground yet. Otherwise, matches like this simply wouldn't exist. Sent out there to work, spot, 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 without a push. One woman, Kaylee Ray, who frankly looked above it all. Yeah. Like in, in what, like you're watching one seasoned pro wrestler. Mandy Rose knew her role, but that was what she was there. She was an angle, really, rather than a competitor in the match. The other four, like very carefully following a roadmap until they reach their destination. I, like, I can't be critical of it. They're doing the job that's required of them. It's a bit cheeky of WWE to continue to put these matches on and call it TV wrestling. Very much the bare minimum of, in their in their eyes, the champions team loses and therefore we can justify two title matches I, going forward. I know the comparison continues to piss people off, right? But like, dark and dark elevation, uh, far from perfect and plenty of stuff on there belongs on there. It's on YouTube. You know, like there's a, they've, they've made that delineation for a reason. And NXT 2.0, like, steps over it all the time. And this was just what, like, it feels bad. Like, I feel like we pick on the NXT women's division. It feels understaffed in that sense. Like, I don't know who's agenting. I don't know who's working behind the scenes. No one put it over more than you did when it was good. So don't feel bad. It's the best thing in wrestling for the longest time. You know what they haven't got? They haven't got a coach like Serena Deeb anymore. <laughs> yeah. She'd probably help. But, like, yeah, it's, it's not a good time. And you can feel it in the matches, too. Well, to cheer you up, something brilliant came next. It was a vignette from Malik Blade and Idris Anofe, <laughs> our new favourite tag team, apparently. Um, so, you know, the story is, of course, they are, what are they called? Bracket busters or coupon busters, whatever they're called from, from their This felt like week. that bracket buster graphic felt like they You know when WWE puts the tweets up? But nobody tweets by NXT. Yeah. So they have to like, bracket busters, tournament crazy, furious times. Who are you saying this? Nobody, we're just writing on the screen. <laughs> We've got uh, a vision mixer in there. Like when they have to do a, like a, put a great review of a film on a, on yeah. a poster and no one's really written it. So it's like Gary from Gary.com writes, this is a dot, dot, dot film. <laughs> I remember there was once a, a film poster. I'll try and find this and tweet out if I can. Where like it got like a few four star reviews and they used the heads of the actors in the film poster. Legend. Legend. That was it. Yeah. Both it, got, twins. it got two stars off the Guardian and they put, um, Genius. they put his head in between the stars to make it look like it belonged with all the other, like it got four stars off a few like popcorn websites yeah. loads of four stars in the column two stars off the guardian but separated by his head it's <laughs> absolutely like, genius oh, another, oh, another four star which is hidden behind uh, Tom Hardy's head there <laughs> his nose his both his nose <laughs> have uh, blocked those out uh, so yes we get uh, a, a recap of, of them yeah a surprise victory not just to get in the tournament but win their quarterfinal match last week um, and they're, they're giddy with each other they're talking about how the fact they could go all the way and Idris and Ofe says yeah we could go all the way we could, we could win the finals of the Dusty Cup, and then you can ask out Mandy Rose. And Malik goes, ask out, what? Like that. Uh, and look, he just says, look, people never gave us a chance. They didn't think we had a shot at this tournament. Let, get in, in it, let alone, you know, upsetting some of the, the teams that we have already. Effectively implying, well, if that can happen, maybe one of us could shag Mandy Rose. I love how much they think that everyone must want to just bang her. Senseless. So much so that we're permitted, just in case you don't feel like that, we're permitted to see inside their brains with a shot of Mandy Rose posing by a swimming pool. <laughs> like, that was it. It's like, Mandy who? Oh, Mandy Rose! <laughs> she got the title, though, so she's not Rose <laughs> She's the world champion. Um, and they say it's time to keep grinding, win those tag, tag team titles, and ask out Mandy Rose. And Malik says... Grinding all right. You could smell a cum from here. <laughs> he says, well, we'll see. Uh, and Idris says, now, nah, come on. If you do it, I'll ask Gigi Dolin and JCJ. <laughs> I'm going to take them both because he's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> and Malik says, 
Idris, I've seen your Instagram. Um, <laughs> the photos they showed, I was like, well, I'm following him on Instagram soon as <laughs> promo's finished. Uh, you could be a bad influence on me. And he says, some might call it. And then he looks down the lens and goes, toxic. And then pops his tits. Pops the tits, flexes the tits, makes those titty muscles dance. Um, Huge ones as well, like awesome tits. Yeah, packs. awesome tits, awesome tits. I've never noticed them before. And now I can't take my eyes off. And Malik Blake can conclude by just simply going, where's your shirt? He's got the tighter tits. An Ophir or Page? I think he's just an Ophir, might you know? Hey, he's got, I think he's got he's, him beat. He's that, like, he's he's that perfect kind of jacked, isn't he? Because it's not just the, it's not just the titties. He's got like if you bore the titties for a second, you just enjoy a bit of traps. It's something to look at when he's talking to. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> so Maybe now, got a bicep city for a second, then get back to the titties. <laughs> are we officially? Are we passing a vote? Titty city, bicep village. Ah. Call to order. Idris and Ove, uh Tally sits in the game. All in favour, say aye. 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 Right, Sorry, Idris, Ethan. Idris and Ove, the. Tightest tits in the game. It's official. Um, I want them to win the whole tournament. I've forgotten who the Grizzly Young Veterans are. On the last couple of podcasts, so I, uh, <laughs> oh. I like WWE is being WWE to me all over again. It's showing me what I want without realizing it fully until they explain it to me. Vincent Man is telling me what I want. You know, um, last couple of podcasts, last couple of weeks, I said there's something about it. Just I kind of like pinpoint what it is and then I just get one long look at his body and I realise what it was it's like there he is there's Vince there's a big lad look at him look at those did his move look at the flexing it's a good act suddenly made better by a little bit of personality that didn't quite like the sex stuff is gross we're trapped in this NXT cum bucket of a show and yet somehow I don't know how they did this they didn't betray, like, the fairy tale story. Like, we're going to shag the lasses in the women's division. And we're going to keep fighting and win the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's yeah. like sort of, they've come up with, like, 1993 Bob Backlund, colon, shagger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they managed to, like, sort of do that without completely destroying the, the storytelling in the tournament. Sort of loved it. Gross, in theory. Kind of loved it. They fight MSK as well in the semis. I cannot remember. I think Green Brothers is a grizzly and veteran side of things. So... I'd need to look at that busted like, bracket. Oh, uh, cool. Nice story with MSK. Never mind. Idris and Obey's tits here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not doing the math and the permutations like I would with a G1 class. <laughs> I mean, I'm just watching some guy pop his tits. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to double check this now. Whilst I, uh, in case I've got this horribly wrong. Rusty Cup. I sort of hope not, but I think you're probably right. It is. MSK versus Idris and Ophir. Malik Blade. Creed Brothers versus... Well, we'll find out. Matches to come. Got that for a tease. Um, right. What do we get next? Oh, yeah. Raquel Gonzalez is lifting weights to that big back of hers. And uh, in comes uh, Cora Jade, and she still wants to team with Raquel Gonzalez for the Dusty Cup. We'll go from back to front in a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Raquel, Raquel says no. Uh, Cora says, look, I, I can do weightlifting and stuff, and, and you know, goes to, goes to lift the bar. And Raquel says, look, you just, you're not ready for the Dusty Cup. And they go back and forth. Uh, and then Cora says, let me prove it. And I go, oh, what are you going to do here? She tries to chin her. She goes to slap Raquel Gonzalez, who catches the hand before she does it, and says, don't push me. Weird, this. Yeah, but she's going to admire her goddamn balls. I like you, kid. You got balls. I, I, swear I, have this <laughs> I have two things in this life. My word and my balls, and I'm going for nobody. What's the story here? Raquel Gonzalez won the... Dusty Cup last year mm -hmm. with Dakota Kai, who slapped her about. So Cora Jade has just been watching tapes. <laughs> That's how he got on a good side. He's beat her up. 
We're getting the match next week, apparently. It was announced later on. Uh, then we got the sensational grizzled young veterans uh, versus Chase University. Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward, his student from a few weeks back. Um, Chase, Andre Chase got quite a lot of offense. He's still one of my favorite guys on this show. Um, you know, he, he battered James Drake early on, uh, flipped him about by the wrist. He's stomping and spelling out Chase U. It's awesome. It's mm -hmm. over. Good act. Um, he even hit the flip-flop and fly at one point. <laughs> that took Drake to the out of a good Gibson. was like, get out of there right now, because I don't know what's going on, but this guy is on a roll here. Um, Bodie Hayward came in. He ran wild uh, eventually, but the Grizzly veterans, they're a wily old team, let's not forget. Uh, Double-team distraction allowed them to cut him off. Uh, tandem offense by the both of them, uh, and they hit a stereo code breaker to win the match. We'll talk about the match first, and then we'll talk about... What came afterwards? We say this every year. The Dusty Cup's a bit of a cheat code, isn't it? Yeah. How does it How does it work? I, like, I know that tournaments are great, and it's harder to get a tournament wrong than is right. But the Dusty Cup, in particular, often gets announced, and we all take the piss because there's like three tag teams on the whole show, and nobody ever gets booked very well, and everyone's pretty dull or whatever. And the matches end up being great. Then the combinations, you get Stories like come off a little it. surprise. Stories spin off it. Um, I looked at it, right, and said this year, cool, so probably MSK versus, in my booking, Chris Young Veterans in the final. That's nice that they've given Malik Blade and Idris Anofi a spot and Chase U a spot, and yet here we are. On it, like, the, a couple of years back, I think it might have been last year's, at the time has no meaning anymore. Like, the other day, one of my kids, like, dog owners, pick up your dog shit, because one of my kids stood in it. And I was having to like, and he was trainers. He only got for Christmas, and he was really upset about That's it. That's too bad. That's too bad. And I had to like sit outside in the garden and scraping dog shit off one of my kids' shoes. Right, I say that because I would rather do that than ever watch a Gallus match. And yet, Gallus were in one of these tournaments, and it was pretty good. Yeah. Like Dusty Cup Magic, this match was more of that. But I also don't want to understate. I'm glad you highlighted him for praise because that's exactly the point I was making before. Some of the clowns make the clown work, and Andre Chase is one of the best examples. Like. Where was he? Where was this? This is fun. Like, I want to have a bit of fun in my wrestling, and he's that. It's funny you use that word, because I would rename Chase University from Chase University to Forced Fun, because <laughs> Andre Chase, legitimately fun, the C-H-A-S-E-U thing is really over. I don't know what his partner was doing in this match. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is that I was not into it whatsoever. Like, they engineered a good feeling that they realistically should have used to inform like some actual pro wrestling towards the back end. And then this guy was just doing like plucky, plucky, like early nineties. Does the jobber get his day with like really rubbish moves where he's just <laughs> on top of people and not really doing anything. I'm like, what is, what is this? You're taking the piss now. It's Tom McGee sort of offense on it. I just don't know what he was doing. <laughs> I had any clue. I think he's meant to be. Ah, he hasn't. He's still learning. He's just doing these stupid things that he thinks are going to win. What? They hit someone in the head. He sat around his dinner table. He's like, "That's it, Marge. I'm going to no fun school." <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what he was doing. No, never mind. <laughs> but then, but then, uh, it sort of makes sense because Andre Chase is objective, not a great teacher. No, he's <laughs> loses more than he wins. So, like, maybe he's not the wrestling school you go to. Mm. Well, uh, the real star came. You know who opened a wrestling school in about 1993? Who's that? The Ultimate Warrior. Warrior <laughs> University. Yeah. Imagine. The hell does he know? <laughs> Here's a needle sticking in your arm. Don't run them, shake them. <laughs> uh, but in comes a returning Von Wagner. 
He uh, murders both of them, takes out uh, Bodie Hayward, uh, puts Chase uh, Andre Chase up on his shoulders. Death Valley drivers him. And then he stands tall like a mountain of a man in that ring. They shot it from low down. They knew exactly what they were doing. And then here comes Robert Stone, puts a, a jacket on Von Wagner and uh, announces... Jacket time. announces that Von Wagner is reinstated and under new management. Von Wagner unleashed. <laughs> like, my God. It's class, this. So funny. Add this to the list of things that Von Wagner can't do, and thus he does it better than everybody else, putting a jacket on. <laughs> like, talking, wrestling, being your mate, being your enemy. Like, he can't really do any of them. And as a result, I want to watch him do these things more than anybody else in WWE. What a unique, strange creature Von Wagner is, and I'm glad we have him. Nice to have given Robert Stone something, though. Well, is it, though? Robert Stone is associated with complete failure. <laughs> oh, yeah, Grant. Like... What was it? It was Zelina Vegas stables, wasn't it? Oh my God, you've thrown up. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible to make Von Wagner look stupid, but he's willingly associated himself with an absolute loser of a manager. Yeah. I, l- I love... I is, love. That, is, that, is, is he just an idiot? Is that his gimmick? Yeah. I love timeless WWE heel stuff. Suit jackets and long names. Like, Stevie Richards, Stephen Boo! <laughs> Suit jacket on him. Like Seth Rollins, like, I didn't sell out, I bought in. Look at my jacket. <laughs> I just love it, man. Got a suit. Everyone's an apprentice candidate. And then we got a promo from Grayson Bloody Waller. Uh, he t- talks about LA Knights. Um, he said, look, you know, I know you got me in, in your sights and what have you, but now I've got one of the biggest stars in Bollywood as my secret service. Uh, Sanger, he's called now. Um, and uh, he says, look, I gave you that restraining order last week. I want you to make sure you read it properly because it'd be a real shame if you ended up in jail. Um, and uh, if you, you know, if you get around that whole restraining order, I'll be waiting. But my muscle, he'll want to meet you first. It's not great, is it? Like he's not. He, like who would have been a heel that tore through a territory or something like that in a storyline where there was like sheer terror caused by this heel. Like from a from an old wrestling storyline, whatever that playbook that they've lent on for Grayson Waller, like now just feels like it's dying in front of us. Like he's going to drop in at the mid card with his bodyguard, who ultimately will turn on him because he's going to become the pushed project <laughs> as Grayson Waller gets shoved to the back. Right, look at him; he's big. It's NXT 2.0. It's already feeling like not that I think that I can't believe you've blown the Gargano thing on this guy because there's nothing really there to blow. Like nobody cared that he was leaving. Probably going to have a nicer time if he debuts elsewhere. But uh, whatever they thought they had with Grayson Waller, I wonder if even they've checked that a little bit. Uh, it's just nothing can succeed on the show. Every time I see literally anything else on the show, I get that bit more impressed with Bron Breaker and how I'm able to feel about him, even though it's not really reflected in any sort of like flattering data or metrics or ratings or numbers or, uh, of any kind. <laughs> the six people that watch NXT 2.0, us three included, really like Bron Breaker. Yes. That's the Bron Breaker metric, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like Grayson Waller, they do all the right things. They get him over. He's got a telegenic face. He can kind of go. He gets the big heat angle at the expense of the old heart and soul of NXT 2.0. He gets the rub in a closely fought match against AJ Styles. And then the next week, no one cares. They do all of the right things with Grayson Waller. And no one talks about him. No one cares about him. He does something else. It's like, uh, who cares? Uh, It's impossible for anything on the show to genuinely succeed. 
Uh, we get an update on Odyssey Jones uh, following Horland's attack on him. He's out with a knee injury, wishing well in his recovery. And then we got Stefan Estrada versus Io Shirai. Estrada <laughs> uh, got a little bit of offense in early on. Io Shirai was, let's just say, confused by her. Uh, she was... Well, me as well. Flipping <laughs> across the ring, kicking Io Shirai all over the shop. Um, but eventually, Io sort of figures her out... Uh, as uh, Stratton goes to kick her, Eo catches the foot um, and then uh, spins around, palm strike, double knee splash, body slam, moonsault, one, two, three. Anything? <sighs> I've seen worse. Yeah. NXT 2.0. I can see why they're pushing it. There was nothing to the match, right? But was she, was this like a Queen's Alina bit or was she just forgetting? Because she went from like Valley Girl to sort of EastEnders hard nut midway the day. Kick your ass over here, yeah. Eo. Well, yeah. It's about family on kick your ass. Like, it, all, like, all of a sudden, it's just generic wrestler talking came out. And I was thinking... Oh, what's your mouth out with soap? <laughs> is this... Eat your greens, Eo. Is, like, <laughs> is this the bit? Is it, is it turns out that, like, all of this stuff that we were finding out was fraudulent and she's kind of used it to get into NXT 2.0 and she is, in fact, just, like, common trash... That they'll market her as when they get bored of the value, they'll think, or oh, did she just drop a character and forget? I'm gonna guess as a shoot. I'm gonna guess the latter. Possibly the latter. It's one of those things where when you push so many people all at once, get rid of every single kick pad in this goddamn facility. <laughs> we're going back to the eighties or the early nineties, guys. All right, cool. You introduce all of them at once. Like objectively, some of them have to lose, but it's just such an odd sensation when you mm. watch like Boa in a Tiffany Stratton. I can't do that. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's like, how can she lose when, like, we've already done funny voices for her? <laughs> yeah, like, in our canon, she's one of the most overstars. The show, and they're beating her in three minutes. What? But genuinely, like, they are, they are promoting and investing money in people who just send, they just lose. <laughs> but, like, someone has to lose because you're doing mm. this to so many people at once. I would have, uh, it's just an odd sensation all around. It, was, the show. it felt very surreal watching Io Shirai work this match. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, the main roster must beckon eventually. But it, like all better off, aren't they? You just don't know. Mm. Uh, Malcolm Bivins, another excellent promo from him, uh, mocking Gunther's name, saying it should be dumbass. Um, <laughs> talked about the fact it's not a new beginning for Imperium; it's the beginning of the end. He talks about how the Creed brothers are going to win the tag titles, and Roddy Strong's going to chop him down to size, and Ivy Nile's going to stretch him back to his mother or something. Um, and they, they all cut promos alongside him as well. And then they suggest a six-man tag next week, which is going to be tasty. Yeah, six-man tag should be good. Ivy Nile now more threatening than Walter <laughs> on NXT 2.0. Had more aura. That's what it's all about. Um, it's Imperium versus uh, Diamond Mine. And I'm most excited to see what Fabian Eichner and Martel Bartel are going to do. How's this happened? I know. How's I know. this happened? Marcel Bartel and the Creed Brothers. Yeah. Ooh, Get some ooh, of that. Uh, we got the performance then from Ollie J, uh, flanked by Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. She played uh, a song, Make Them Fall, uh, and I thought it was excellent performance. If Fire Festival actually put on musical performances, this is what it would look like. <laughs> <laughs> this. I, I bet NXT 2.0 serve food that looks like we got a Fire Festival. The little cheese slice in the bread bun. I mean, she couldn't even do her own karaoke. Mm. Not a great performance. What will be, What um, about the musical performance did you like? I just what thought, what I was just, your favourite note? I was mesmerised by the whole the whole visual of it all. I think it's the best way of putting it. You can't be horny on main, goddammit. 
What do you mean? I just thought it was a nice, like Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, hyping it all up, and she did her song. Lovely stuff for me. Who's it for? The audience, key demos in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Who's it for? Because they famously aren't... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want to do is kill some of your audience off. <laughs> Uh, right, we get a brief promo from Tony D'Angelo. He says, uh, well, he, sort of, he was sort of talking beforehand, but when he eventually turned his mic on, he says, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Cameron Grimes, uh, he says, uh, I heard you were cho- choking a little earlier, and uh, all that's going <laughs> to stop when I bust your face open in about two seconds here. Huh? He says, after I'm done taking care of you, I got a day with destiny. <laughs> Not that one. She's uh, she's down the strip club. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, he says, I got a day with destiny and the North American Championship of Vengeance Day. Uh, and then we get a Tiffany Strive promo backstage. <laughs> Daddy. Did you see? She's on the phone. Daddy. Did you see that? Why is she coming? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's NXT 2.0. <laughs> oh, it's Come Tuesday. <laughs> it's everybody comes on Come Tuesday. <laughs> Sounds like an advert for, for a restaurant. Hi, I'm Bob Wagner. You want to come on Tuesday? I might come to come Tuesday. <laughs> Daddy, you said that the ref was unfair. The incompetence level was just a bit on. I couldn't believe it. Wait a second. Hold on, Daddy. <laughs> there she is, star of the show, Wendy Chu. You didn't guess this. Just sitting backstage, apparently. Uh, but she's got some nice words. Uh, she says, hey, don't feel too bad. Everyone loses to EO. And, and Tiffany's furious. She slaps the, the cup out of uh, Wendy Chu's hand. She says, hey, my free refill. And Tiffany storms off going, daddy, uh, there's a lot of freaks here. This girl's in pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy says she's not a freak. She's just comfortable, aren't we all? Uh, well, I'm not comfortable. I was going to say not very much anymore. Uh, Wendy Chu continues to speak to my heart because I would be livid if something not my free refill out of my hand. Free mm-hmm. refills are a reason to go to places, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Wendy Chu versus Tiffany Stratton is going to be their big play for Vengeance Day. It's got me. Like, it's, I mean, they're, they're playing to this crowd, aren't they? You know, I said there were six viewers. They're playing to 50% of them because <laughs> it's, that match is for this podcast. Bit of LTST. I imagine you both spotted it. Students of the game. Um... Karen Q lost to Io Shirai in the Largo loop in 2019. So everybody really does lose to Io Shirai, and Wendy Chu would know about it. Someone does his research. Nobody at NXT 2.0 did. I just thought it would be funny to double-check, because <laughs> they've had these people on the roster for years doing nout. Uh, aye, the match is going to be piss funny. <laughs> or bad. Maybe both. Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both in a way that should have been more entertaining than it is. <laughs> Right, let's get to the uh, main event. One of the best main events in NXT history, in my opinion. It was uh, Tony D'Angelo versus Cameron Grimes to the moon. See? Toned it down now. Uh, early on, uh, Grimes out-wrestles Tony D'Angelo, as you'd expect. So Tony D'Angelo just starts cheating, grabbing the hair and what have you. Uh, snaps off a suplex, chokes him in the corner. He's uh, stomping him down in the corner. He's uh, choking him against the mat. He's using up all the count that he can in there. Uh, puts shoulders into his gut, throws Grimes through the ropes uh, on the other side to the outside, uh, then brings him back in, and uh, he catches Grimes with a hanging bra- backbreaker off the ropes. Um 
exchanging strikes. Grimes hits that beautiful running Spanish fly thing that he does. Makes his comeback, but he gets cut off. Uh, eats an exploder suplex, but kicks out, as he's done early on quite a few times. Uh, Grimes goes to springboard off the middle rope and slips. Let's just say there's a little bit of mis- miscommunication and a slight bit of hesitation <laughs> with the guys. Snack um, connects with the uh, moonsault on the second attempt, though. Uh, he comes off the top with a flying crossbody for a great near fall. Uh, D'Angelo rolls to the outside to collect himself, and um, whilst uh, Grimes is, is arguing the referee, let, let, let me get out there and attack him and, and get his, get my hands on him. Uh, Tony D'Angelo's leaning against the announced desk when who should return but I don't. Who twats his hand with a cricket bat, uh, Gets uh, Tony D'Angelo back in the ring and he gets hit with the cave-in. Cameron Grimes wins. He is the number one contender for the North American Championship held by Carmelo Hayes for Vengeance Day. This is so drab. This is such a drab experience. I don't think it was a particularly good match. I'll never remember it in one million years. Um, Like, I don't want anyone to go, I wrote short stories as a kid. I was a little nerd. I always wanted to be a writer. It's only the one thing at school I was good at. I don't want people to read my ghost story without the age. (laughs) When I was seven years old, visiting my grandma. Right? Ghost story I wrote without an age. It's the first thing I ever remember writing. (laughs) I think I was about five. Because I wrote, like, like, honestly, I'm going to show you one of these days. I'm going to take a picture of, um, I was using goddamn similes when I was 120,000 amazing words. (laughs) (laughs) Five of Michael Sidgwick. You can read my poem with a simile in it from when I was in like year two. That's absolutely tremendous. Penmanship as well. What happened to that? I don't know. What I'm saying <laughs> is, I wouldn't want to be judged on stuff that I wrote when I was like in year one. And I just feel like Tony D'Angelo was like in reception class in terms of his pro wrestling career. And yet, in my job as an analyst, I'm being asked to describe a goddamn thing on national television. It's just all completely wrong. Um, mercifully, it was only excruciatingly bad in like one moment. But other than that, there was just. The prevailing feeling that I'm watching people learn. Practice. I don't Rather than do it anymore. It just gives me nothing. It gives me no enjoyment. Yeah. Like, Tony like Tony Angelo's just not very good yet. And that's not to say that he won't get great as well. But it just... Great character. Fantastic character. But like, I've got limitless nostalgia for the Honky Tonk Man and the financial success of that character and the... The mechanisms of how that character was as successful as it was. But I'm not going to spend my free time watching Wayne Ferris matches. He was an Elvis impersonator that did bare minimum stuff for Heat in an era where that was absolutely acceptable and drew money for that matter. We're long past that. Like, like a character actor doing the cheapest bits to sort of squeeze that last few quid out of people that think tonight's the night he's going to get beat is about as far away from Tony D'Angelo practicing on national television as you can get. That's the model. That is a character that is a gimmick more than it is a character. Like, it, I still maintain, we don't know, like, how Tony D'Angelo feels. We know that by day he's a mobster. Huge, huge, enormous difference that they never spot in WWE until it's too late or until they finally get somebody over. Steve Austin, because he's always the example for everything, I know. But um, Stone, Cold, Stone Cold was an attitude and was a feeling when he was battering Bret Hart for feeling like he was the best wrestler in the company. Saying to Mr. Perfect in a promo, that ain't cold, that's stone cold. It's so much closer to Chili McFreeze, who is a character who is temperature-based. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at with Tony D'Angelo and so many others on the show. And we're watching him have performance center rehearsals on television. It's almost unfair to be critical of the matches, but WWE are asking you to mm. with 2.0. This was rubbish. I thought it was excellent. 
Each their own. Each to their own. Each their own tits. Um, we conclude with... Uh, oh, also, how depressing is it that Pete Dunne and Tony Jadlow are still feuding? Yeah, well, Jesus Christ, like, what is that? Cricket bat in a pool next? I'm not being joking. No, I'm not joking. Like, well, like, aye. it gets worse, that, that as well. At least, we, least we've got some go-to stuff for the Tony uh, D'Angelo predictor next week. <sighs> to go along with the, what was it? Strat, straton baton. Straton baton. <laughs> you getting it? So, Bron Breaker's leaving. Uh, he's apparently the last to leave, although I'm fairly certain the two lads in the ring are probably going to be after him. But still, he's, he's heading out. He's leaving. Um, and he gets asked about whether or not he's going to have a tag partner. But uh, he says, oh, I don't care, um, in the words of Pete Dunne. When Legado del Fantasma drive up, he's, uh, he's ready to fight them all on his own when who should befriend him and become his tag partner than his former foe, Tommaso Champa, And they put up their dukes uh, and it sets up a presumable... What, handicap match next week or maybe a tag match? But a surprising turn of events to close the show, Hamlet. Yes. Um, because it went back-to-back with the Pete Dunne one, I probably didn't react in the way I was supposed to, which is like, look at these old enemies coming together for a common cause because, like, they did always respect each other and it wasn't about war games. It was about this. It was about these two. And instead, I was just feeling, like, left feeling pretty dejected and depressed that there's no... We're back to where we were with the 2020 and 2021 problem. There's no sense of closure if nobody's going anywhere. You know, Tommaso Ciampa used to do all his interviews saying, I'll never leave NXT because the main roster's not for me. That now has to change to, I'll never leave NXT because I uh, kind of get up there. Like, I work main event, I die my beer, and he still doesn't want me. So I'm stuck on NXT now. Like, this is the one thing we didn't want to happen about 2.0, is that nobody goes anywhere. At least when they were being written off and it felt a bit callous and it felt a bit cruel to Triple H, they were going. And you, you left. You've done it to Jumper. And now you're back. So rather than that feeling that I should have had for this, like, on paper, pretty cool one or two-time tag team, I got the intense feeling that, oh, like, a call-up isn't a call-up. I thought they were gone. <laughs> I feel nothing. <laughs> like, I don't want to call the slate clean because it's spattered in neon paint. But that's what we're supposed to feel about 2.0 with this, like, massive, massive change. It's not a change if it's the same. Fair point. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts uh, on NXT 2.0 on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. Uh, you can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today to preview AEW Dynamite Beach Break. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. For now, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.